You're listening to Preaching Source, a ministry of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary's School of Preaching. I'm your host, Professor Barry McCarty. Well, I've, I've wanted for a long time to be able to say our guest on Preaching Source today just got out of jail yesterday, <laughs> but, but he did. Uh, but context is everything. Our guest this morning is Dr. Ben Phillips, and he is the director of uh, Southwestern's Darrington campus, which is one of the most fascinating uh, educational campuses in the world. Uh, It's inside of a prison, and uh, he is directing this wonderful program. You, uh, uh, sometime we we might want to have him here just to talk about the Darrington campus uh, and the program that's going on down there. Wonderful program where Uh, Men serving long-term prison sentences are being equipped for ministry within the prison system. Uh, He is a graduate of Southwestern. Uh, He is a professor of systematic theology, specializes in theology and preaching. And uh, Ben Phillips is here to talk to us today about preaching and pop culture. So, Dr. Phillips, welcome to Preaching Source. Great to be here with you. Uh, Let's begin by asking, uh, how significant is it for pastors to be aware of what's going on in pop culture. I'd, probably the average pastor, uh, our reaction most of the time is we, we reel from pop culture. It's, uh, it's something you might want to push away, but, but why is it important for the pastor to pay attention to pop culture? Well, if you think about what we're trying to do in preaching, you obviously need to know the Word of God. That's the first and foremost thing. You also need to know the people that you're talking to, and you need to know the context in which they live. And so understanding our culture, and pop culture is a significant part of that, is part of understanding this, the, the world in which our people live, the people to whom we preach. And I think that's an important thing in being able to uh, talk to them and help them to see how the Word of God impacts their lives. How does that knowledge aid in the, in the task of preaching? I think it helps the preacher to understand the influences that exist on people that they may not even be aware of, uh, the things that they're hearing over and over again in the music that they're listening to, in the, in the movies that they're watching, in the TV shows that they're seeing, and uh, the other aspects of culture that, that permeate uh, the air we breathe, as it were, and that we, we imbibe without consciously thinking about, and then in turn shapes the way we look at the world. Uh, ben, uh, I, I've I've observed uh, two pitfalls with pastors and and pop culture. One of them is a pastor who is just clueless about the culture around him, and so it, it's hard to relate to people when when you're not aware of the context in which they live. But I've also observed pastors that, uh, in an effort to relate, and they they almost try too hard to be too cool. And they end up being too cool by half. So uh, there, it, it you know, it looks like there's something there that's of value that helps the pastor, but also some pitfall. Help us navigate through there. How how does the pastor find that place for the appropriate and useful use of pop culture? I, I think the danger on the one side, where a pastor knows nothing and wants to know nothing about culture, uh, may be uh, a lack of a lack of compassion uh, for his people, uh, a lack of desire to understand. It's, it's not my job to understand them. It's their job to, to understand the things that I think are important. And <clears throat> I don't think we see that in the ministry of Paul 
uh, and Peter and Jesus in the New Testament. I, I think they had a clear understanding of the culture in which they were working. Uh, Paul's able to go to Mount Areopagus and, and, and see what's going on around him and, and pick that up and use them. He's aware of Greek poetry and, and things like that. So on the one side, I think that, that there's a kind of, of arrogance that says, I don't need to understand the context in which I live, in which the people that I'm ministering live. But on the other side, and I think we see this more often, perhaps, among younger preachers, is, is a desire not only to understand the culture, but to be seen to understand the culture. And so what's really driving that kind of person, I fear, is, is a kind of, another kind of pride, a, a kind of vanity uh, that, that values too highly what people think that I, I want people to know that I get it. I want, I, want, I want people to understand that I understand. And there's a difference between understanding the culture and a, a desire to understand the culture and a desire to be seen to understand the culture. The one is, is, a, is a desire to be able to communicate well. The other is a desire to be liked and, and appreciated. And so I think it's the difference between wanting to be faithful in communication and wanting to be man-pleasers. Mm. Um, when I think of, of pop culture, I, I see it as something perhaps that's a part of culture in general but distinct from it. I mean, you mentioned Greek poetry. I, there's a big difference between uh, Greek poetry and another reality show with the Kardashians. Uh, so, what can, are there are there distinctions there, or what? Help me sort that out. Is certainly. <laughs> uh, I I I I appreciate what uh, Hugh of Saint Victor, a, a, a 12th century uh, theologian, wrote about how no book is useless. But some books are better than others. Okay. And I think that would be true. Oh, that's a great line. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that would be true in looking at our at our culture. I think that you need to prioritize where you're going to spend your time. Uh, a pastor has only so many hours in the day, and, uh, and, a, and a lot of people don't understand and appreciate just how much time a pastor has to spend, uh, even in preparing one sermon. Uh, you could spend 15 hours. Uh, preparing a Sunday morning sermon, and, and that's if you're moving efficiently. Uh, and then you have a gazillion other things to do. So uh, I don't think that, that watching every pop TV show, every, every hit uh, sitcom out there is probably going to be the most efficient way to go about this. But uh, music is poetry, uh, the lyrics of it. And so uh, rather than go out and learn Pindar, uh, or Longfellow or, or uh, Robert Frost, uh, it's important, I think, to at least have some kind of sense of what's going on in the, in the top 20 uh, on the Billboard charts. Uh, not so much to go out and make a point of listening to the, all of the music, but to, to see what the lyrics are, to see what are the ideas that are being expressed and how they're being expressed. What are the issues that, uh, that those songs are dealing with? Now, some of them are perennial standbys, you know, you left my life and I'm angry about it. Uh, but, but there can be different kinds of things, different ways that, that, that perspectives are being addressed. Uh, one of the current top five 
songs uh, is, a, is a gal singing about how she invested everything, lifted this guy up, rescued him, restored him, and, and she almost sings about herself as a Christ figure uh, in, in, in redeeming this man. And now he's reached this great height and he doesn't have anything to do with her anymore, and she's upset about that, and she's, but she's perceiving herself uh, as having played the role of savior in his life and almost uses that language. I think that's valuably aware of that to know that our people are listening to that kind of stuff and to then be able to work that in as we as we preach uh, to help them understand, hey, this influence is out there and go in a different direction. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, and in popular culture, and I'm, I'm thinking principally of, of television and, and film now, uh, there's there's an almost uh, monolithic Christian stereotype, and it's not complimentary to us. Uh, my observation is that the more conservative, the more evangelical, the more conservative, and then specifically if you hit a Southern Baptist, it's going to be a really negative uh, stereotype. Is, is that unfair? Is that something we've earned through our uh, vocal uh, public stances on on uh, issues that run cross grain with the culture. How that, how, do, how do we sort that out? That or overcome or address that that negative stereotype? Well, it's it's uh, it's us and the Roman Catholics. Okay, uh, that are the yes. the big yeah. ones that catch it. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. right now I think um, who tend to be. It, I mean, if you think of of a traditional Roman Catholic mm-hmm. and a traditional Southern Baptist tend to be both culturally and morally very conservative people. That's right. That's right. I, I, here I think we have a great danger. Um, w- I think we need to think of this as you would think of receiving criticism from an individual. Uh, as a pastor, uh, you're going to receive a lot of criticism, uh, and, uh, and, and your wife is going to receive a lot of criticism on your behalf, <laughs> and you have to learn how to deal with that. Uh, and one of the things that you can be that, that can happen is you can you can get so armored uh, in your own self that you that you just don't listen to any criticism and, and you think that there's nothing for you to learn. Everybody's always upset for their own reasons that don't have actually anything to do with you, and <clears throat> that's a dangerous place to go because as preachers we're fallen human beings as well. We can and do err, and uh, and it's important to be able to receive criticism. Uh, so we want to be able to listen and get past our initial emotional response and and then chew on it, think about it, talk to other people that we trust uh, who can say, yeah, actually, maybe you do have a little bit of a problem with that, or to say, no, this person is, is just upset for their own reasons. Uh, because if we, on the other hand, uh, respond in a knee-jerk fashion and, and want to make sure that nobody is ever upset with us anywhere at any time for any reason, again, we fall into the trap of being man-pleasers. Sometimes people get upset with us because of something that we said that God used to convict them. I certainly know that when, uh, when my, I and my wife have um, animated discussions uh, that, uh, that my tendency is to get upset for uh, process crimes on her behalf, uh, that, uh, that, that when she says something that really I needed to hear but didn't want to hear, uh, I tend to get upset about how she said it <laughs> and, uh, and, and uh, use that as a smokescreen, not to have to listen to the underlying and more serious substantive point. 
So there are extremes there we've got to watch out for in our culture. So th these depictions that we see in movies and television shows uh, may have some bearing in reality uh, in that there may be times that, that people have been jerks for Jesus in a, and spoken in a harsh and inappropriate way. Sometimes we think that speaking hard truths is, is the goal when, in fact, it's, it's speaking hard truths in love. And, uh, and I think that's a, that's a more difficult standard to meet. That said, we also have a culture that is going to react to a firm and, if not perfect, at least faithful uh, and with faithful intent presentation of the, uh, of the truth and react like I do uh, sometimes when I'm called on the carpet and say, wait a minute, you're, you're, you're just, you're not speaking correctly. You're, you're, you're over the top on this. So again, I, I think we want to, to take a look at those depictions and ask, all right, is there truth in that? But most especially, is there truth in that with respect to me? Is that what I do? I don't want to fall into the trap of saying, well, yeah, this preacher does that and that guy does that and that guy does that and, and but at least I never do that. Uh, I think we need to look at ourselves, each individually, see what there is to learn, and move forward with confidence and speak the truth. Mm. Um, often, uh, things that happen in the, uh, in the news or the general culture um, uh, generate conversations, uh, sometimes national conversations. Uh, and I, I, I would even say sometimes as a pastor, uh, looking at it through the lens of a pastor and a preacher, that it creates teachable moments. So how does a, a pastor take advantage of teachable moments that are happening in these cultural conversations without, uh, without letting that drive uh, his preaching, that, you know, staying true to be. I mean, you might be working through a series in Ephesians and there's a cultural conversation. How do, how do you incorporate that or address that? Any, any ideas for us? A couple of things. First of all, I take as a baseline that you prepare your preaching in advance. You have an idea of, of where you feel like the Lord is leading you in preaching and you, and you operate from that. It's, it's interesting how often something that you planned to preach three months ago uh, will have a significant bearing on what's going on in current events. Uh, and you had no expectation that it would. Uh, you, just, you, just, you didn't know what was coming, but the Lord does. And so I think that we, we start from that presupposition that all Scripture is profitable for doctrine and for training in righteousness. And so to speak to the issues of our age, uh, you, you start there. Uh, I think then there will be times that even with that as your baseline assumption where an issue that is so significant in the life of the nation or in the life of your community will arise where God will bring conviction in your heart that I need to set down what I was planning and I need to address this directly. When we do that, it is important that we do so as pastor theologians and not as pop culture marketing gurus. Our job is not to go make the church look good. Our job is not to go make Jesus look good. Our job is not to go prove our relevance. 
to the culture. Our job is to speak the Word of God to our culture and to our people and let the Holy Spirit do what only the Holy Spirit can do in the hearts of men, women, and children. And so bumper sticker slogans, quick answers, throwing other people under the bus, throwing our, our, our own denomination or, uh, or Christianity in general under the bus shouldn't be a knee-jerk reaction for us when we enter the pulpit to address pressing issues. It's important to admit our faults, and we have them, and to, and to listen. But we speak truth that is timeless in the sense of being relevant to all cultures, that doesn't change over time. And so I, I think it's important that we uh, that we be careful of the quick answer, the, the, the tweet, the Facebook post that is intended to show that we get it. Hmm. Ben, you, uh, you live and work each day uh, in, in a unique culture uh, in that you're doing ministry and, and teaching in a prison. Uh, so you're, you have a population of men who are incarcerated in a state prison. Uh, what, what, do you have any, any perspectives for us that, that come out of that unique culture and what you've observed in, in their lives uh, that you think might speak to, to the, all of us, speak to the culture in general and, and speak to pastors dealing with uh, people in, in their particular context? One of the things that I see in prison is a lot of bad preaching. There are a lot of people who come into prison and preach what they think their audience wants to hear. And a lot of it's grounded in bad theology. <laughs> it, it's not, not tied to the text of Scripture. Uh, and I see men in prison who are hungry to hear the Word of God to hear the Scripture open and preached. They like it when a preacher addresses things that are going on in, in their lives, their life at prison, but they don't expect a free-world pastor uh, to understand everything about prison life. And they can tell the difference between someone who has picked something up and and can say something in a way that intersects in specific ways with the life that they live, but they can also tell the preacher who is trying to show that he gets prison, even though he's never spent a day in prison in his life. And what they want to hear is not the preacher prove that he gets it. They want to hear him preach the Word of God. even the ones who have absolutely no intention of living it out. <laughs> because they know that that's what's real. That that's what the preacher brings to the table. Now, if he gets some aspect of what's going on, if he can, if he can take the text that he's preaching and say, okay, here you go, this is an aspect of your life 
where this applies and, and how you might live it out, all the better. But in prison, as in the world, there is a hunger for hearing the Word of God. Mm -hmm. Wow. Uh, ben, we're, how many classes have we, we uh, graduated now from the, the Darrington unit? We've graduated four classes. Four. We'll okay. graduate another one in May of, of uh, 2019. Okay. So we have, at this moment, 129 graduates serving in 26 prisons around the state of Texas. Say that again. Well, uh, so 129 prisoners serving long-term sentences who received a four-year Southwestern Bible College ministry education behind bars that are now deployed in 26 different prisons 26 different prisons in ministry teams that's right I, th that's astounding i every southern baptist ought to be uh, justly proud that their denomination and and their school this is we belong to southern baptist uh, that's right their cooperative program dollars fund this uh, that's, that's just astounding that just in four years of graduating classes that, that that is taking place. God has done amazing things, and we've, we've seen guys come to faith in the program. We've seen guys come to faith through the program. This last year, the most recent statistics that we have for uh, 2018 uh, indicate that, uh, that over 800 men were baptized in Texas prisons through the ministry of these field ministers. Wow. Yeah, and so uh, if you can learn to, to consistently and faithfully walk with Christ in the prison setting, then you're going to be able to walk with Christ when you get out. Wow. Our guest on Preaching Source today has been uh, Dr. Ben Phillips. He's the director of uh, the Havard School's Darrington Campus which is a four-year Bible college program, a Southwestern Bible college degree in the state prison at Darrington, educating ministers to become ministers within the state prison system. And so, Dr. Phillips, thank you so much for being with us today. It's great to be with you, sir.